This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell, and joining me today in the studio are the Toledo Symphony's president and CEO, Zach Vassar, principal second violin and artistic administrator, Merwin Sue, and we also have the Toledo Symphony's music director, Alain Trudel. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello. Hello. Yeah, we are here to celebrate something that doesn't have to do with any particular concert that's going on during the season, but it is October, and this annual event was canceled again this year, so we're picking up the slack, and we're doing our own celebration of... Ah. Oktoberfest. Right? Wunder <laughs> Wunderschön. How do you say Wunderschön in French? Uh, Merveilleux. <laughs> I just say Wunderschön. Wunderschön. You say it with a French that. accent, that's it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So we're going to talk a little bit about Oktoberfest today. We're going to talk about Bachtoberfest as well, which, uh, you know, is, was the brainchild. I see what of you did there. Our, mm-hmm. I didn't do it. I was just about to say this was the brainchild of our, our resident genius, uh, Merwin Sue. We're going to talk about Bachtoberfest, although I've seen Bachtoberfest before. It, mm-hmm. It's, you know, you didn't just think of it. Make it up out of whole cloth, right? No, I think I actually did Bach around the clock, and that was in yes. August. <laughs> yes, you did Bach around the clock, and everybody was stealing that idea. So yes. you can steal back for this <laughs> idea. Anyway, what we usually do when we talk with a guest is we ask them to tell their story. And so I wrote a little uh, story for Oktoberfest, and I wonder if, if you all would indulge me if I played the part. Or maybe, Elaine, you want to do it? Oh, I'll, sure, I'll, I'll give do it, it with you. I'll give it to you here. Okay, and so uh, this is happening can, in real time, listeners. You, yeah, you can sort of paraphrase what's going on there, not to put you on the spot, but let me, no. let me bring up a little <laughs> music here. Uh, there we go. Oktoberfest story. It all began back in October 1810 with King Ludwig I of Bavaria, who incidentally was the godfather of mad King Ludwig II, Wagner's patron. Ludwig got married and had a huge party of 40,000 of his closest friends with horse racing, parades, and other celebratory events. Now I'm all mixed up in my accents. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going back to mine now. The turn, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and I shall keep my day job. That turned into an annual event after that. Oh, we're getting there. And it turned yeah, into we're getting an there. Yeah, so remember King Ludwig I of Bavaria. Not the, not the crazy one, the other one. And he got this party going for 40,000 of his closest friends. That turned into an annual tradition which celebrated not only the king and his bride, but also Bavarian culture, and especially agriculture. You know where we're going with this. The beer and the bratwurst came about 70 or 80 years later. Okay, so it was well fermented. And by 1910, <laughs> at the 100th anniversary of the festival's founding, over uh, 120,000 whoa, liters of beer was consumed. It's all That's almost... 32,000 gallons. And I didn't yeah. read that. I just like made the math myself, of course. Where were you <laughs> when I was writing this? You could have <laughs> saved me some time. <laughs> so in 2013, 6.4 million people, wow, that's, that's a lot of people, visited Oktoberfest. 
That's a lot of beer also. <laughs> and visitors were served, oh, well, there you go, 6.7 liters of beer. Oh my God. And if you want to know, let me do the quick math. That's 1,770,000 gallons. Wow, that's amazing. Yay! Wow. You did that so much better than I possibly oh, yeah, could sure. have. <laughs> so now we know a little bit about Oktoberfest. Has anybody ever spent time in, in Munich, in yes. Bavaria? Yeah. yeah. Elaine, during Oktoberfest. <laughs> yeah, you've been there during Oktoberfest? Oh, Hang yeah. on a second. I sense that there's another story oh, here. No, no, there, well, no. I, well, the thing is I don't really drink, ah. especially not beer. So it was a lot Not even Molson, Canadian <laughs> no, beer. I, I spent the entire time trying to find something to drink. <laughs> <laughs> Really? What do they offer it. besides beer at Oktoberfest? Oh, that, that's the problem. He yeah. goes up to every single stall and says, oh, pardon me, do you have any water cranberry juice, maybe? No, <laughs> I, I wind up having some kind of Apfelspritz. Uh, yeah. But it was. It took a while. But it's okay. It was many, many sausages later. <laughs> <laughs> All the best stories start that way. Many sausages later. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to touch that one, but let, let's move Thanks. on. Let's move on. Now, nobody here has any kind of German heritage, do they? Uh, I do, I do. You do, Zach? I do, yes. What, what, on what side? Uh, my your... mother's side uh, and my father's side. So we are we are German, Austrian, Irish, and French. So Wow, yeah. that's a great combination, yep. or so they say. <laughs> but, I, I mean, there's a difference between, like, Germany and Bavaria, right? Mm-hmm. Bavaria is its own thing. I've yeah. been there, too. I don't remember if I've been there for Oktoberfest or not, and that makes sense because I wouldn't remember if I went to Oktoberfest. <laughs> but I, I do remember going to the Hofbräuhaus, which is like the big brewery there in Munich, and I have vague memories about, you know, the people walking around in Lederhosen and what, what have you. Has anybody here tried on Lederhosen? I have, and I actually had a gig uh, playing uh, in those. I When I was a teenager... I played in the German band, uh, they call it uh, Oompa Band, in Montreal at the place, the, at the Vieux Munich, and also at the amusement park. Well, I'm a brass player. You make money like you can, right? Yeah. And I played the tenor horn, and the guy who led the band the, was a, the tuba player, and uh, he said, well, you know, we're going to try you. You're young, but we're going to try on the tenor horn. Nobody has been able to play it, you know, like the sword of King Arthur, you know? Yeah, yeah. And he said, if you can play it, you can play in the band. So first thing I did, I brought it home, and it's a real German tenor horn, right? So it's like a Wagnerian tuba, but on the tenor register. And I, I cleaned it, and I found a bunch of stuff in it. There were like blocks, there were nails, and all kinds of stuff. What? So I emptied it, I cleaned it, I, and it was very playable after that, but nobody had thought of cleaning it. <laughs> so finally I played it against, oh, Wunderschön. It's like, and finally I, I had the job for the summer. So parades, leather hosen, and the whole thing. That's, wow. that's amazing. That's, a great that's amazing. <laughs> so your brass career started simply because you cleaned out the horn. And, and I didn't tell anybody. That's right. <laughs> so it just looked good. <laughs> so Until I'm imagining now. that you, yeah. your, your entire career uh, centers upon pipe cleaners and Q-tips. That guy, yeah, it was amazing. With Tony Stas. Yeah, that, when you, when uh, you write public. your autobiography, <laughs> it'll be called Pipe Cleaners and, and Q-tips. <laughs> I think it'd be a great name for it. Um, peach snap. <laughs> yeah. Well, folks may know that we are in our uh, uh, fall fundraiser here at FM 91. So we're going to take a little break for that and raise some critical funds to support public radio. I'm going to ask uh, all of you guys about public radio and its role in the community uh, a little bit later on. And we're also going to talk about Bachtoberfest that we mentioned. So Johann Sebastian Bach is coming up shortly. Uh, Before we go, let me get in one quiz question here. 
I do have a quiz. It's called Bach versus Bach, right? So B A C H versus B O C K. Mm. Does everybody know what B O C K is? That's P D Q Bach, right? Yes. <laughs> it's a strong German composer, His or yeah. rather, <laughs> <as a> composer. <laughs> Oh, you want to try that one again? The recipient of many words. I need it, right? (laughs) Okay, so Bach versus Bach. B O C K. We all know that's a a strong German lager, which comes in different varieties. B A C H is a strong German composer who wrote a lot of music. Now, first question, and you don't say this out loud. You write it down. We'll check it at the end of the podcast today. The word Bach. Which one? Ah, ah, ah. The word Bach means what? In German. See, this is the perfect radio quiz. Well, I have to, it, I mean, you don't you, know you which one I've got. You just told us it's spelled two different ways. Well, is it Brooke? Is it Billy Goat? Is it Desire? Or is it all of the above? Or is it none of the above? A, B, C, D, E. Okay. Wait a second. We're talking about Brooke now? <laughs> totally different composer. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. Our genius is trying to derail the quiz for everybody else. <laughs> that's how that's how you win these well, days. Well, that is the worst thing he could do. Uh, <laughs> yay! <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was going so well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just leave something to look forward to, I guess. And we are back. We're continuing with today's uh, episode of Toledo Symphony Lab, all about Oktoberfest, but we're taking a little bit of a left turn here for a discussion of Johann Sebastian Bach, the Bachtoberfest. I've seen a lot of orchestras do, like, you know, I, I mean, there are puns galore when it comes to Bach's name. I'll be Bach, blah, 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 Bach around the clock, which was one that you used, Merwin. We talked about that earlier. Um, but Bachtoberfest has been used in different ways by different ensembles, you know, where they basically just take it as an excuse to play a lot of Bach in October. But Oktoberfest like- isn't even in October anymore. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's mostly in September. They moved it for the weather. <laughs> so it's kind of like Bach to the future then. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, for two, boys. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I don't get enough use out of that buzzer anymore since we switched the quiz around. <laughs> So, uh, just relating Bach to, to Bach. Oktoberfest, Bach. Bach was 60 years dead when Oktoberfest was founded back in 1810, right? He famously loved coffee, as mm-hmm. we know. He wrote the coffee cantata. But he did drink a lot of beer. And, and I'll give you an example. During a trip uh, that he made in 1713 to consult on an organ installation, um, he had a beer bill. Not a beer belly, a beer bill. <laughs> he might have had that too. <laughs> which amounted, well, maybe after the two weeks he spent here. His beer bill amounted to eight gallons of alcohol. Basically, he drank a six-pack a day for two weeks, <laughs> right, of <A> beer. <laughs> You're all looking at me like, I would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe a, Elaine, I believe, would not like do a, that. A tailgate to an organ concert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. Let me write that down. <laughs> but uh, we even know the kind of beer that he probably drank. It was It's called Goza, which is like a warm, uh-huh. fermented beer, uh, tasted of lemons, coriander, and it was very, very mm. salty. Mm. So, you know, you'd want to eat pretzels or whatever you had on hand <laughs> to go with that beer. 
I think you'd want to have water near nearby yeah. to go with that beer. It, it makes you want to drink more, basically. Is it uh, high alcohol content, or is this back in the days I, when they didn't need that? Yeah, I don't know. You're getting above my pay grade here, so I'm not <laughs> quite mm-hmm, sure mm-hmm, what the alcohol mm-hmm, content mm-hmm. was. But uh, it, it's kind of like a, a vice beer, you know, yep, gotcha. uh, the, the lighter, more mm-hmm. lemony kind of beer, mm-hmm. um, and not chilled mm-hmm. at all, served mm-hmm. room temperature. I've been meaning to talk to you about that. <laughs> 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 oh. okay. Alan, you're out. <laughs> <laughs> Strike three. Actually, Alan, what was the over-under on Zach Punts for today? Was it six and a half? <laughs> yeah, six, yeah. Uh, I think it was eight. Eight? Was yeah, it eight? Yeah. Okay. So, but the, the coffee thing is spectacular, also, right? It was yeah. like fifteen or eighteen. It was ridiculous. Um, the amount of coffee every oh, yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. So and maybe he, he did coffee beer, coffee beer, coffee beer, coffee beer. Maybe Oof. it just depends. Well, he was Salty on the road when he went for the beer, you know. So yeah. he was like, "Hey, I'm on vacation," and and, and he walked pretty much to everywhere that he, he went. So yeah. he would walk like for yeah. a week to do a, a a concert. That's, you know, you you get thirsty. <laughs> Yeah, totally. I have something in here. Oh, I think it's one of our quiz questions a little bit later about Bach walking. So we'll save that for later when the time comes. But uh, let's talk a little bit about Bach. I mean, uh, Elaine, you've you've programmed some Bach Mm -hmm. this year. Absolutely. And you have like the orchestral suites and what have you. I mean, what are your... Give us your experience or your feelings or whatever you have to say about the music of Bach and, and why, you know, we still listen to it today. You know, and uh, it's interesting, we had a little comment in our opening concert uh, a few weeks ago uh, when we played the Enigma Variations and uh, we played the Overture, uh, the number three. Well, Overture, they're also the suites, there's the same yeah. piece. And we did that first movement and it's like uh, eight minutes or nine minutes. Uh, and we finished, I looked at Kirk, our concertmaster, and I said, and that's, you know, that's just eight minutes of Bach, you know? Yeah. And then he said, yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, and the 62 also, it's like, pfft, it's, it's incredible. The, basically, it's a little bit impossible to understand, comprehend. Let's say you can understand the music, but comprehend how somebody t- can take care of a family, a school, and write this. And the coffee might help, but still, <laughs> you yeah. take a hundred cups of coffee, you couldn't get there. Yeah. So it's, uh, of course, nowadays we're, we're discovering that, uh, he created his own composing enterprise with his family. Also, the, his wives, uh, wrote music and his, uh, his, his of course, his children. Yeah. But, uh, still just the comprehension of, of what it is. I mean, it's difficult to, it's really difficult to, to figure out how, how can somebody on planet Earth do that, you know? Well, so how it's do you also, do that? it's interesting to look at how he was viewed by history and by his mm-hmm. contemporaries and his path mm-hmm. to becoming whom we think of today as like the greatest, the world's, mm. history's greatest composer, Johann mm. Sebastian Bach. I, I'm going to make it a, a really bad sports analogy, but it's <laughs> like being chosen 199th in the, you know. Yeah, uh, okay. uh, <laughs> yeah You draft. have to explain that to me because uh, I'm, I'm not big on sports. Uh, okay, well, Tom, Tom Brady was chosen 199th. And oh, he okay. became the best quarterback ever. So, And Bach was actually, he was, ne- he was never the runner-up. He was like the third or fourth choice. His last job, you know, it was, you know, you had, uh, what is it, the Telemann and then Kraupner, which yeah. uh, now we're starting to hear his music. And then mm-hmm. maybe Bach or nobody really was. But so we're hearing his music only because of his association with exactly. Bach. Right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting. I mean, he was viewed, you know, as very academic, as very dense mm-hmm. and not uh, as beautiful an output as other composers at the time. Um, he had sons who were more popular than him. Yeah. Certainly, C.P.E. Bach was a much bigger name. Mm. 
than Jay Espa. Also a wonderful composer, though. Yeah, wonderful And we have to composer. say, you went blind also. <laughs> yeah. That's a le- let's add another level of difficulty. <laughs> How did he do all of that? Just, just well, don't people understand. don't think about that, I think, when they when they listen to the sublime music. But it was Felix Mendelssohn mm-hmm. back in, in 1830, yeah. you know, put on Bach's passion yeah. there and, and brought so much attention to it, he was seen in a new light. And the Brandenburg Concertos, you know, in the 20th century yeah. then became like super popular and True. representative of Baroque music. Can I tell you something that might be controversial? Yeah. Is that Bach is, um, it's, it's, it's the same as, uh, it's faith, right? You, it's impossible to, to understand how he did all of that. It's like, you cannot prove it. It's like, well, you prove it because you have the music, but you say, my God, you have to, at a certain point, it's kind of a testament to faith. You mm-hmm. know, like, mm-hmm. wow, well, you have to believe something without being able to understand it. Yeah. You know, it's really, uh, it's very strong. Well, I, I, you know, believe in lots of things that I can't understand. So <laughs> I think that's a, that's yeah. a great analogy. Yeah. I want to take a, a little break. Let's do a couple of quiz questions and uh, take a bre- break and raise money for public radio. And uh, then we'll come back, talk a little bit more about Bach. I also want to hear um, what's going on this month at the symphony in October. There's some great concerts. Okay. So let me pull up the music. Right. Okay. Bocksprung is a popular children's game in Germany. Does it involve leaping over male goats? That's A. B. Leaping over bodies of water. Or C. Leaping over small amphibians. Or D. All of the above. Or E. None of the above. Okay. So that is... Quiz question number two. Here's number three. What came first at Harvard University, Bach or Bach? That should be easy. Just say Bach, <laughs> Bach. right? <laughs> no, it's B A C H or B O C K. Which came first at Harvard University? In terms of a field of study, or what? what, what, what when in, you say in terms a, of like for Bach, it would be the music of Bach or Bach any beer, right? Mm-hmm. So we're just using B O C K. This is much more complicated than I thought it would be. <laughs> We're using B-O-C-K as sort of a, a, a euphemism for all of beer, beer in general, right? Yeah. Um, okay, and the last one here. The year 1685 saw the births of, of Johann Sebastian Bach, George Frederick Handel, and Domenico Scarlatti. What other musical luminary was born in that year? Was it John Gay, who wrote the Beggar's Opera, later became the Three Penny Opera, was it Antonio Salieri, the composer of Amadeus fame? Or was it the German composer and organist Heinrich Schütz? A, B, or C. John Gay, Salieri, or Schütz? And we'll come back. We'll have the answers to all of this uh, later on in the program today. But first, let's take a break for public radio. And then we'll come back and uh, talk about it. We'll talk a little bit more about Bach and uh, what's going on with the symphony here on FM 91. Bach. 
I really thought that was a trombonist sound, but I was no, wrong. No, it's not me. I'm staying calm. Good job, guys. Okay. Okay. And we're back for Toledo Symphony Lab, talking about Oktoberfest, talking about Bachtoberfest. It's also taking advantage of the fact that we have Elaine Trudell, the music director of the symphony, right here in the studio with us. So, Elaine, you know, you're kind of on the spot. We're asking mm-hmm. you a lot of questions. And we were talking about Bach mm-hmm. and what Bach means to you. And I know that uh, Zach had an interesting take on this he wanted to talk about. Well, I just remember from some of the very first programs that you put together, you were using Bach in uh, more of a masterwork setting than mm-hmm. I think previous music directors have. Mm-hmm. So I'd just love to know what what's the role of Bach from a programming standpoint? What does it mean for the orchestra? Well, I mean, besides the obvious, of course, that's like, you know, anything that Bach wrote is a masterwork. Mm-hmm. But besides that, because often we think of masterworks as the great romantic and mm-hmm. uh, breath and uh, and the, the orchestra, and also the orchestration being very large, and Bach, it's not so large, the orchestration, but uh, it's very important for us as, as musicians also to uh, to play this music and uh, to get accustomed to the style. As you know, there's a lot of specialized group that play, you know, uh, what they say, ancient music, but I mean, that music. And for symphony orchestras, it's important to also play this music in the right style. So for us, that, that was something I wanted to do right from the get-go. I mean, the orchestra plays great, but I wanted to go a bit deeper in the more Baroque style. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, I must say, I don't know, Mer- Merwin, you probably agree that our groove is much, uh, as, as much different than the first few times we did it together. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think we're tra- starting to be at ease with the language because again, it's not a group that specializes in that, but we're starting to be like, you know, right from the get go. Now we have an idea. There's a direction to it. Of course, I come with all my music, Mark, but that's just the, mm. that's just the start. You know, you have to make a big effort to, to give it to, to the orchestra. And also, I like to play it with uh, more people than people are used to seeing on a stage when you mm-hmm. play ball. You know, you'd see like uh, four violins, six violins. I would play with eight, ten first violins. Just, just to make sure that we all participate in the experience and also in the growth. It's incredible growth for an orchestra to play that music. Well, and it's interesting because what you're talking about makes me think a little bit of those big orchestral transcriptions of Bach, Mm -hmm. but you're not going quite there. You're Mm. you're going in a slightly different direction while still kind of, you know, expanding the sound and the experience of Bach Mm. a little bit. I think it's a really... A nice middle ground. It's, I, it's I true, and and for folks who don't necessarily understand what that transcription comment means, is that, you know, we had uh, Stokowski making these huge, elaborate, almost recompositions of Bach for very large orchestra, yeah. uh, possibly with instruments that Bach would never have seen. Uh, and then on the other side of that, we have these very small chamber orchestras who are using Bach to really. Um, add finesse and kind of revel in the diminutive um, forces to to make this beautiful music. And then you have in the middle an orchestra playing Bach, which is, I think, as you say, a great great piece in the middle ground. Yeah, and you also have, I mean, Bach is one of those composers that has been sampled so many times, um, you know, in, in both in popular culture as well as classical culture. I mean, you think of Wendy Carlos, you think of the, all the Moog treatments mm-hmm. of Bach, the electronic mm-hmm. transcriptions mm-hmm. of Bach. You think of the singers who have sung that, uh, vocal groups mm-hmm. that have done a lot of Bach. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I've always thought that Bach could survive just about anything. You know, mm-hmm. it, those melodies are so well constructed that, you know, Mozart, you say you take a note out of place, it falls apart. <laughs> Bach, you take a note out of place and it's jazz. <laughs> I mean, you know. You would have probably be a jazz musician if you lived in our time. Yeah. That's what I think. I mean, it's a, cause, cause he was, first of all, a king of improvisation. Right. And, and he needed to have this, uh, this outlet of improvisation, but with chordal structures that were, uh, that were complicated, which you, you could have, like, if you do, like, a, you know, if you play giant steps or is that by Coltrane or something like that, he would have been, you know, more of a Chick Corea or something yeah. like that. But yeah. there's also something very mathematical about it. So it's, it's exceptionally, spirited gifted and improvisational but it's also highly technical and mathematical mm-hmm. and i feel like it, 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 it he's the one composer who can live in both of those places at the same time and everyone else is either more experiential and impactful or more calculating and um and and mathematical yeah you can do all that and drink coffee and beer <laughs> and have 17 dozen children exactly <laughs> not at the same time Let's do a few more quiz questions here. This is, again, our Bach versus Bach quiz. Bach, the music, plus Bach, the beer. Okay. The phrase bread and beer was a common greeting where? In other words, people would see each other. Instead of hi, they'd say bread and beer. (laughs) Um, They didn't say it in English, of course. Would that be in medieval Germany? Would it be in ancient Egypt or in the Roman Empire, A, B, or C? Here's another one. It's against the law in Texas to do what? Serve beer and pretzels at the same time in any bar or restaurant. These are all actual laws, by the way. Sit on the curb of any street while drinking beer from a bucket. Let that be a lesson to you, Elaine. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. (laughs) Or is it take more than three sips of beer while standing up? One of those three is against the law in Texas, A, B, or C. And all three are real laws. Somewhere. All three are real laws in, ah, yeah, in yeah, yeah, American yeah. states, not Canadian provinces, <laughs> just so you know. Um, <laughs> it makes its own sort of sense. I want to know where A is really a, a, a law, if not in Texas, of course. Yeah. <clears throat> None of these are in Ohio, I should add. Okay. Speaking of the law, Bach spent time in jail. For what reason? Was it for fighting with his bassoonist? Was it for quitting his job? Or was it for writing the coffee cantata? A, B, or C? Very well timed. That's our quiz. We're going to take a little break and then we'll come back. We'll do a preview of the season for October. You're listening to Toledo Symphony Lab here on FM 91. It's Toledo Symphony Lab on FM 91. We're having a discussion today. Well, we started with Oktoberfest. Now we're talking about Bachtoberfest. Now we're going to talk about October in the sense of what's going on with the symphony this month. We do a little preview every uh, monthly episode to talk about upcoming events. And there's some great stuff coming up. Merwin, I'm going to give you a chance to talk now because you've been sitting there so quietly during the course of our program today. This is your chance to shine, my friend. What, it's what's... just unusual, right? Well, yeah. I've, I've been trying to read his quiz questions. <laughs> I it's like I trying, to, trying to use X-ray vision. That's but, what I've been but doing. But I haven't, I haven't uh, actually underlined the winners. I, I figured <laughs> out what was going on, so there'll be no more of that. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so what's happening this month? Well, speaking of you know intrigue, <laughs> uh, 
uh, we uh, the next Masterworks concert is a concert of passion and intrigue, and it's a really wonderful pairing. I think this fits well. It really doesn't. Um, we're not playing any Haydn whatsoever. Okay. <laughs> that music is really Haydn in the background. Oh, Lord, there we go. Okay, I'm going to do a sidebar for this. Um, <laughs> this is when I was... Uh, this is like 10 years ago, and this was nine years ago because my kid is nine. And I was trying to put him to sleep, and it's this desperation time at three in the morning. You're singing anything you can think of to try to put him to sleep. And the one lullaby that has stuck for nine years since then is a song that I would sing, Who's My Darling Little Pumpkin Boy, but to this tune. And uh, I have no idea. Who's my darling little pumpkin boy? Who is cute? Yay! It's so funny. I put Alent to sleep with my playing, too. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Singing and, and sleeping, and, I mean, playing and singing. Yeah. So anyway, what does that hey, have to hey, do with hey, passion Merwin, I'm having some trouble sleeping tonight. Could you just <laughs> could you just start telling me a story, please? I, I'm just going to write some Goldberg variations, <laughs> and it's going to be great. Okay. So, so now. sidebar over. Okay. Well, you were playing Hyde, and I had to point it out. So there's these... This, this concert really has some wonderful pairings in it. It's, it really is kind of built around the idea of Wagner, but not in at his most grandiose um mm-hmm. i think we often forget about kind of the composers as people we think so much about how they've influenced music and wagner certainly has is that composer of the great epic um but in pieces like siegfried idol and the Weissendonck leader um these are wagner at his most intimate and i think it's they're, they're really wonderful pieces around which to build a program. Mm-hmm. And we kind of take this idea of love and kind of intimate expression and then use that to kind of pair that with the Strauss Rosen Cavalier suite. Um, this is some of my favorite music. Uh, just, it's just incredibly beautiful music and it's almost a, uh, a tribute, a paean to a dying era. Um, I think you really hear in the Rosen Cavalier suite just the 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 last breaths of the Viennese waltz culture and the mm. it really that kind of that Viennese musical culture really you can it's almost at an apotheosis in this piece. We then pair pair that with the Coleridge Taylor characteristic waltzes. It's kind of a, the idea was to pair one waltz suite with another. We've kind of altered that just a little bit, but delighted to be presenting these um, these be- beautiful waltzes by uh, a black composer of British origin. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad that you got in your two cents there because we're go- we're going to talk about this next week. But I know you can't make the uh, the podcast next week, so. Yeah. You've also got the great uh, trio uh, of musicians, Time for Three. They're coming in and guesting with the symphony. Tell us about that. It's really wonderful to see to see and watch string players who really engage ex- in an extraordinarily deep and powerful manner with music of today and 20th and 21st centuries. And it's a pop, it's a extraordinarily fun pop show. But these are two violinists and a bass player who are also great singers and they take these pieces 
it's not that they elevate them, but they kind of really make them feel extraordinarily at home in the symphonic concert context. Yeah. So you'll hear like Metallica uh, alongside <laughs> Bach, and it totally fits. Bachtalica, something like Bach-talica, that. Bachtalica, right? exactly. I know it's a bit of a stretch, but welcome I gave, to I the program. Yeah, <laughs> I can I can play now. You know? Yeah. Um, well, I mean that concert is just fun. It's, it's just going to be fun, fun. Yeah. really. And we can have fun in classical music. It is allowed. Mm-hmm. And they are amazing players, actually. Uh, Time for Threes collaborated with Jennifer Higdon, free yeah. progressive the program in uh, Concerto. So yeah, very absolutely. Great players. Well, we also want to mention that you've got the uh, annual memorial concert for Dick Anderson, who was so involved with the symphony. Um, and, and this is a great program of music that you know he loved. And dare I say, loved him back as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, does anybody want to say, we're, we're going to do a whole episode about that, but you want to jump in here and tell us about this? So if if anybody doesn't know, Dick Anderson was such an advocate for the orchestra. He was twice our board chair. And he knew every musician by name. And he was perhaps our greatest fan and advocate. So when he passed, we of course knew that we would have a memorial concert for him. But this little pandemic thing got in the way. So I think this is the third time we've scheduled it, and we're very excited to finally present the, the memorial performance and, um, and really use this as an opportunity to remember Dick, remember his wonderful contributions to the orchestra, uh, personal, financial, and otherwise, and, um, and, and shine a light on, on such a magnificent and well-lived life. Yeah, and... and- as I said, we'll we'll cover that and we'll explore it in much more detail in an upcoming episode. I want to finish out our quiz. Let me pull up our Bavarian music again. Just uh, three more questions, then we're going to go back and get the answers. All right. During medieval times, it was customary to do what with beer? Besides drink it, of course. Was it feed it to animals? Was it baptize your children? Or was it wash your hair? A, B, or C? This is not one of those all, or, all of the above questions. <laughs> right. When he was 20 years old, Bach famously walked 280 miles to hear a concert given by whom? Was it Dietrich Buxtehude? Was it George Frederick Handel? Or was it Georg Philipp Telemann? A, B, or C. 280 miles by foot to hear that concert. Bach stayed and studied with this composer, hoping to succeed him... What job requirement tanked it? Why did Bach not take the job, or not want the job? And I'm talking about the composer that he walked 280 miles to hear. Kind of puts me at a disadvantage when I can't say his name, but Bach stayed in the study with him. <laughs> was it because he, he was supposed to marry the composer's daughter? Was it because he had to convert to Catholicism? Or was it because he got into a duel with the elder composer, A, B, or C? Okay, let's go back to the beginning and just zip right through these because I can tell you what they were. All right. I can't believe one of these multiple choice things didn't have like like eight possible answers so you would spell out B-A-C-H <laughs> in, the, in the answers. That's just too rich for my blood. Okay. Our Bach versus Bach quiz. The word Bach means what in German? Is it Brook, Billy Goat, Desire, all of the above, or none of the above? I mean, it, basically all of the above if you mm. go by the sound, right? D. Bachsprung is a popular children's game in Germany. It's actually Leapfrog. 
But it's not leaping over small amphibians, it's leaping over small children, right? So it's kind of a trick question there. So it was actually none of the above. Uh, I didn't realize there was none of the above option there. Yeah. You probably said it. I'll go back. I, I said it. We, yeah, go to the tape. Okay. <laughs> what came first at Harvard University? Bach or Bach? Bach. Well, you're right. It you're was right. a brewery that was built on campus uh, not long after they founded it in the 1630s. It took until the 1870s for the music department to show up, and the uh, Bach Society Orchestra was founded in the 1950s at Harvard. So Bach is the answer. There is John Harvard's brew house there, too. Yeah, basically. Okay, 1685, saw the births of J.S. Bach, G.F. Handel, and Domenico Scarlatti. What other musical luminary was born that year? I'll just tell you, it was John Gay who huh. wrote the Beggar's Opera, born in 1685. Antonio Salieri was born in 1750. Heinrich Schütz was born in 1585, mm. <laughs> a century beforehand. Okay, the phrase bread and beer was a common greeting where? Was it medieval Germany? Was it ancient Egypt? Or was it the Roman Empire? I'm going to say the Cresswell House. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was ancient Egypt, actually. Ancient Egypt. Did anybody get that, by I the way? I did. So it's, it's funny, and this is something that, unfortunately, I think I can only share with Alain. But uh, in those asterisks, uh, oh, you yeah, know, like yeah. how like you sometimes have he would speak with people from ancient yeah. Egypt and I just imagined these like it's like emojis before emojis existed yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how the, the Egyptian characters and asterisks would speak and I so I'm just imagining these little like these um Hieroglyphs, hieroglyphs, yeah. hieroglyphs, like yeah. like bread and beer emojis. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, the 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 hieroglyphic word for health is made up of the symbols for bread and beer. Wow. So you're onto something there. Yeah. You could have been an ancient Egyptian, Merwin. Who knows? Maybe you're reincarnated. He could walk like one. Yeah. Although we can't see it on the radio. <laughs> It's against the law in Texas to do what? Serve beer and pretzels at the same time in any bar or restaurant? That is actually in North Dakota. Was it sit on the curb of any street while drinking beer from a bucket? I'm going with that one. That's in the city of St. Louis. Take more than three sips of beer while standing up. That's against the law in Texas, wow. actually. Is yeah. the beer that strong? I guess so. <laughs> they also, in Texas, they once banned the Encyclopedia Britannica because it included a homebrew recipe for beer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So they brought back the Britannica, but it's still illegal to take four sips. Those are big sips, I would imagine. Yeah. Okay, so Bach spent time in jail for what reason? Was it fighting with his bassoonist? Was it quitting his job? Or was it writing the coffee cantata? It was quitting his job. Yay! Everybody fights with bassoonists. Yeah. <laughs> he was in Weimar. He, he wouldn't put anybody in jail for that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Sorry, exactly. <laughs> but he accepted another job without telling his employer mm -hmm. at the time. Got in trouble. Threw him in jail for a few weeks. Anyway... During medieval times, it was customary to do what with beer? Was it feed it to animals, baptize children, or wash your hair? The answer is B, baptize children. That's oh. what they used to do with the beer. I thought it was animals. No. Because no. the animals always look so happy in those old paintings. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the Hieronymus Bosch. Or Bach. Ones. Oh. Yeah. See, that That's your best one to do. Yeah. That was, that was more of a stretch, though. That was, I was working on it. Okay. <laughs> So, last Bach two questions. Bach at you there, Brad. <laughs> exactly. Okay. 
When he was 20 years old, Bach famously walked 280 miles to hear a concert given by whom? It was a Dietrich Buxtehuda. Or as I want to say, Bach Stehuda today. Yeah, it was Bach Stehuda. That's nothing. I would walk 500 miles. (laughs) And I would walk 500 more. I wouldn't walk anywhere. So, (laughs) last question. Bach stayed and studied with Buxtehuda, hoping to succeed him. What job requirement tanked it? It was A, that he had to marry Buxtehuda's daughter in order to get the job. And he said, no thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. So that's our quiz. Oh, I got enough. Our long-winded quiz. Anybody here get uh, all of them right? No. Let, 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 let me check. <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got three out of ten there. <laughs> okay, folks. well, yeah. tell me how many you got right, Zach. Three. You got three? How yeah. many did you get left? Oh, three. It was awful. Three, three, and we how many did you get, Merwin? Answers. I did get five. <laughs> Merwin got five. Yeah. That makes you, Merwin, once again, your record remains unblemished as the the winner of the quiz. Although you're not here next week, so we're, we're definitely going to have a quiz. <laughs> you know, Zach won the quiz. To very little fanfare, I'll point yeah, out. Yeah, to yes. very little fanfare. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I like it that way because I don't want to get, you know, the, the reputation for being a genius or anything oh. like that. <laughs> oh, wow. Well. So we've just got a, a minute left, and before we turn it back over to uh, the folks here in the studio, uh, why don't you all just give it a quick plug for public radio, because this is one of the few opportunities that we have to mm-hmm. actually have the show air during our fundraising drive that's happening right now. Um, Elaine, you want to say something about, I mean, public radio Absolutely. And, and the role that it's played for you? Oh, yeah. I, As you know, I'm from Canada. When I was young and until maybe um, a decade ago, our public radio was the the gold standard, and uh, it has gone down the drain completely. And I you know shouldn't say that, but in, uh, in Canada, not here. No, in Canada, and yeah. the and the gold standard now is to listen to to the public radio in the U.S. I mean, it, it, <laughs> no, and and I, I'm sorry, it's because you know the the government got involved, and uh, they they you know the traditional. Better is the enemy of good, you know. Mm. You come in and somebody has a bright idea somewhere. But th- when we support public radio, we can keep the tradition of this music going. And also, it's a mix of tradition and being adventurous a little bit. And nobody is like it. There's not somewhere as somebody in an office deciding, oh, this is too adventurous. Uh, because it's every place is as their own you know, on public radio. So this is, for me, I've been listening to, to the station since I'm here. And then when I go back, I, uh, in Canada, I listen to it on the internet now. <laughs> <laughs> Zach? So I, I grew up in Toledo, right? So I've been listening to FM 91 since I was a kid. And back in the day when you had a, um, a radio that you would actually tune as opposed to hitting like a preset button, I don't think I ever had a radio that wasn't at 91.3. Mm. And uh, that's back to when I was a kid. I think I was the only kid in my second grade class who listened to NPR. But um, <laughs> your your predecessor, Bill Engelke, taught me classical music. And I I think about Carl Haas and the um, Adventures in Great Music and, and, and these great uh, programs that FM 91 has always brought. And it's it's been a part of my, my life. Uh, it's always playing in our house. And I love this station because you guys have the best combination of programs that entertain, music that enlightens, and news that informs.
This program is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony, with generous support from the Rita Barbara Kern Foundation. You can download episodes of our program as a podcast by going to our website at wgte.org lab. You can also subscribe to us through your podcast app of choice, including Apple and Google Podcasts. Don't forget to check out all the upcoming events at the Symphony by visiting their website at ToledoSymphony.com and their various social media outlets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find the TSO streaming platform online at stream.artstoledo.com. My thanks to Zach Vasser, Merwin Sue, and Elaine Trudell. I'm Brad Cresswell, and this has been Toledo Symphony Lab from FM 91.